Greetings, church family. Good to be with you this morning. It's a wonderful day of uh, recognition and uh, for a good product of Decatur College back in the back, Sunday school officer. Brother Birdsong, we are grateful. Uh, Brother Bell, for your proclamation uh, through these many years. Very grateful, appreciative of you. Mary Cook, um, thank you for teaching the Word of God, teaching folks the Word of God. Very, very grateful and most, most appreciative. Uh, I'm mindful as well of others who have served in our military. I think tomorrow is Veterans Day and um, appreciative of the privilege to come here. I know folks who live in places of the world where they do not gather freely like this. Uh, And we gather freely without interruption and uh, with um, oftentimes the blessing and encouragement of many around us. And for that, we are so very grateful. If uh, you served in one of our armed uh, services, uh, could I just ask you to stand where you are? Stand or raise your hand right where you are. Would you please stand? I'd be so appreciative. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Again, we are uh, grateful. Is it today or is it yesterday, the 30-year anniversary of the Berlin Wall coming down? Is that right? I think I'm about right. And uh, I just think of so many people who were... Uh, spared and relieved and liberated from the grip of persecution and hardship. And again, uh, the presence of our uh, folks serving in military all around the world have, uh, have set so many free and protected the liberties of so many others. We are most, most profoundly grateful. I have a text this morning. I'd appreciate it if you'd turn with me. Uh, to the uh, first letter from Simon Peter, First uh, Peter, and we'll look in chapter 1, and this morning I'd like us to ponder the idea of joy. If you would follow along uh, in this text, <clears throat> we'll begin in verse 3, and uh, this morning... Again, I'll just remind you that the folks here that Simon Peter is addressing are people who have largely come to faith after the time of Christ. They weren't necessarily Jewish insiders. Most are outsiders who found their way to faith. They also have found themselves in the predicament of being persecuted and hounded. And yet, despite the circumstance, which is hard and difficult, Simon Peter asked them to share in joy. I'd like you to think with me about Christian joy. We read in verse 3, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's kept in heaven for you who are being protected 
by the power of God, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this, you rejoice. Rejoice even if now, for a little while, you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in the praise and glory and honor when Christ Jesus is revealed. Although you have not seen him, I believe this is Simon Peter acknowledging that many of his readers never saw the living Jesus. Time has passed and they have a different place. You have not seen him. You love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoiced with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that was to be yours made careful search and inquiry, inquiring about the person or the time that the Spirit of Christ within them indicated when it testified in advance of the sufferings destined for Christ and the subsequent glory. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves but you in regard to the things that you have, have now been announced to you through those who brought the good news by the Holy Spirit sent from, the, from heaven, things into which the angels they long to look. If I could uh, ask you to think with me about sort of the flow of this text, uh, it, it's sort of Trinitarian at first. We give thanks to God the Father, God the Father of Jesus Christ, uh, something that's echoed, that ex exact expression echoed in Paul a couple of times. This God the Father has been at work in you and been at work throughout the history of the world to bring us about uh, this wonderful solution to the problem that we have introduced to the world, the gone wrongness and the rebellion. And this working of God throughout the time has brought us to a place of privilege where we can share in this, well, this new life, this new birth, this new inheritance, this new salvation, all these terms all kind of condensed in this, into this kind of explanation for why we should have and see before us and honor before us the recipe for joy. We have been delivered, and ours is now a living hope that we've been brought into, a hope of a destiny and a future, because Jesus has been the one who's defeated our enemies and won the victory and showed his power over death in the power of the resurrection, and now we who share in his life Somehow we share in the inheritance that is his. We are, as he called us, inheritors, full inheritors, full, right, people who fully and truly are going to share in the joy of the victory and the riches that he has for us. And those riches, by the way, are not riches that are coming and going. It's not like the stock market. You watch it one day, right, and, and it comes and it goes, and some days... Better some days, not so well. It's not like something that could be taken from you. Even a gold coin, which almost always has value, could end up in someone else's hands. 
these things that are so fleeting in one sense, and people scramble and scramble to put their inheritance into something safe. And I just want to tell you, the faith exhibited in Jesus Christ is safe. It's safe. It is unfading. It won't be compromised. It won't be qualified. It is safe. And Simon Peter's response in these first verses is just to say, if we could begin to take the measure of the privileged place we're in, we were people on the outside and now through Jesus Christ, we live in anticipation of this hope and this victory that is fully and finally ours. We live in this anticipation. We have been delivered. We have a new destiny, a new salvation, a new inheritance. And if we could just know this, he says, joy, joy would define us. There's a joy in this great new hope. In verses 6 and 7, he turns from sort of that present joy and anticipation, the, the hope that is before us, this hope of life, the living hope that's before us, and he kind of turns our attention to the particulars of the now. Maybe this is the section that sort of focuses more nearly on Christ, this and the next little block of verses as well. And the idea here is this. He knows this church is being persecuted. He knows of their hard times. But yet he says in verse five, in, in verse 6, in this you should rejoice. Now that seems kind of counterintuitive. In this you should rejoice. There is joy even in the face of hardship. Wow. And this counterintuitive sort of sense, I think, is offered a beautiful explanation in these verses. And the idea is this. This destiny that will be fully appreciated one day, it changes the way we look at life now. It, it, we have present within us this abiding hope and, and this confidence of God's future. And joy comes from that. But even while we're waiting for this full hope to be ours, we suffer in the meantime. And Christians have not been immune for suffering. The truth is this, through most, most of our history, uh, we live in an, a, an amazing experiment called America, and, and I'm quite grateful for it. But for most of our history as Christian people, we've been more likely to be brutalized and taken advantage, not less. And that's still the way it is around the world for Christians to this very day. And yet, when you go to that meeting where you have them gathered in an apartment and they're whispering their hymns they're singing, they're singing like this to one another. So their neighbors will not be able to hear and record their worship. There is joy in people who gather in the face of risk and danger. And Simon Peter understands 
how the joy of the gospel persists even in hardship. And he encourages these folks, I know you're going through so much. I know you're going through so much, but I want you to let the joy of the gospel persist. And it's sort of complicated. I can't take you through all the mechanisms, but follow that through its kind of conclusion in two verses there at the end of verse 8, and you'll see where it's heading. There's the prospect that we, by bearing hardship and difficulty and trials, and still understanding that these things that weigh us down and confront us, they do not qualify, they do not rob us of the destiny in Christ. And so now I live differently and I think differently and I have a different outlook on life. And even the hard things that come to life, they do not rob me of this hope. And there is joy that is sustaining me even when I struggle. And there's a prospect here. And at the end of verse 8, here it is. And that prospect is this that the way we keep our hope, well, that is a great, great testimony to Christ. And that's a testimony that's being refined and purified in the hardship of testimony, uh, of, of suffering. And that testimony is going to be like a purity that gives God glory and blessing and gives the gospel testimony the kind of weight that it rightly deserves that even the hardships of this life do not disqualify me from being rooted in the joy that sustains me. I just remind you of biblical characters all along the way. The one that may jump out at you that you might remember, remember Paul in jail In chain, and where do we find him in the scripture? What do we find him doing? We find him what? Singing, singing, worshiping. And the joy of the gospel is not taken from him in the hardships. And that sustaining joy as it is refined in us in the hardships of suffering is a testimony to God's greatness. Very quickly, there's another kind of joy that is described for you in verses 8 and 9 and 10. It it considers the beauty of knowing Jesus. Now, dear ones, I just want to tell you uh, again, the idea is something like this. These folks have never seen Jesus. And Simon, of course, walked with Jesus all the way. Failed him at the end, but was restored, and you know something about Simon's story. And yet, Simon, who had seen him and knew him so well, knew these folk he was writing to and ministering to, had never seen the living Jesus. They're kind of like you and me. They didn't see him. And yet, they know him. He describes the knowledge of knowing Jesus and the presence of Jesus as prompting in them a joy that is indescribable. So that makes it pretty hard on me, right, if it's indescribable. But I think I can 
uh, not capture it and not exhaust it for you, but I think I can describe its setting and maybe point you in the right directions. I can just tell you in my own life, there are moments when I sometimes know in the, in the moment, other times I look back and I see those moments as marked as being marked by the presence of God in my life. And for those moments, I am profoundly, profoundly grateful. There are some occasions where there's little more going on than just this awareness that I was swept into his presence. And I cannot tell you what it means to me. There are other occasions when the joy of life is seen and, and, and appreciated and a new uh, kiddo comes along and, and uh, then four kiddos and now some grandkids in the mix and, and for these things we are profoundly, profoundly joyful and grateful. But I want to tell you, there are also moments when those precious moments that are right and life-giving in their own, when they're understood and cherished in a whole new sense. Because why? Because I know they're the gift from God. And I sense God's presence. And many of you walk this way, and many of you pray. And there's folks right seated around you that pray every day of their lives. And they know the presence of God. And there is an abiding peace and joy that is not the measure of how things are going in their day, in the stock market, or in the headlines. These are things that are just somehow profoundly present and so he says, I want you to be in the first section. I want you to be grateful, grateful and joyful. Uh, you, you, the, the whole experience is one of joy. You've been delivered. There's a new destiny. There's a new hope. This is a living hope. We live this hope out, and we know this joy even now. He even says, attend to this joy when things even are going badly. Because the joy is sustaining you and keeping you. And then he says there's a joy of knowing who Jesus is. And I have never put my physical eye on him. But somehow I know him and I know his presence in my life. I know sometimes a joy of his encouragement. I know the sternness of this sense that I have not lived up to what he asked me to do. I, I, I know through coming and through going just this awareness that Christ is with me I never put my physical eye on him but I believe in him and that relationship is something else Simon says we should we should know this this leads to an, a, an indescribable sort of joy and toward the end these last two verses we'll just summarize and say those folks who wrote the scriptures for you, that the Holy Spirit led to write the scriptures to describe ahead of time what Jesus was going through and, and what we would understand and so on, they would like to have a front row seat to what you know firsthand. The angels wish they could have known what you're knowing in real time. There's such a remarkable blessing, and I just want to say to you, I want you to tend to care to honor your joy. There's a sense in which you have to keep it and honor it 
And I only suggest that because I want to suggest to you, if you go back into this passage, you'll find those verbs that God keeps us and that God guards over us. And this destiny that's secure, it's kept in heaven by God. It, it's an interesting kind of verb. We, we'll, we don't tease out everything that we can with all these nuances and languages. But here's one we think is fairly certain and fairly sound. And the emphasis falls on this, that this keeping, this kind of reservation that God has for you, the destiny that is marked off and kept as yours, it's reserved, it is yours, that God is keeping that and guarding that in heaven. The emphasis is this. He's reserved it, and the emphasis falls, and it's still in that same state and will continue to be in that same state from here on out. That's the intention that Simon Peter leaves us. And I just want to say to you, if we begin to measure this remarkable gift, this gift of new life, the living hope, this new destiny, this new inheritance, our faith will be stirred. And we will measure and appreciate the abiding joy that comes from knowing Jesus Christ that's there with us when things go well and there when, with us when things go so very badly. And I want to proclaim to you that we must be people who celebrate and honor the joy that is fitting for the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I think of our young people this uh, week with Philip uh, announcing and so on, I think about their sadness. I remember what I felt when some church staff and some youth directors along the way left. I know it was hard and so on. And I just want to say to you, we belong to something great and grand and wonderful. And I want to encourage us all, I want to think in these terms, that it's my privilege to be drawn into this and to share it and have an inheritance and so on. And, and my hope and my... And my place in the gospel, my, my place among you in, in, in this congregation, and, and so on, that is part of God's doing by God's grace that I was drawn into this and so on. And when I face trials, I cannot, I cannot, even in hardship and in loss and grieving, and no one's taking our homes because we're Christians, but it's hard. To see folks move along, to be called somewhere else, and to know that your privilege of walking with them was for a season. And I just want to say to you, let's inventory our joy. Let's regain our perspective. Let's bless Philip that he's walking in part of the same program toward the same destiny. Let's encourage him. Let's rally and encourage the others who will need help in, in the ministry that he's extending. And let's go forward. Let's keep our joy and guard our joy. And even in sorrow, 
let's be reminded of what's occurred here and who we are in the big scheme and plan of God's purpose. And I want to encourage you. And I know many of you are walking ways now of hardship with some illness and some struggles of a variety of sorts. And I just want to say to you, I, I, I do not have a simple recipe. I do not want you to be some sort of uh, kind of a person who says everything's right when things are wrong. I want you to be able to grieve. The, the psalmist uh, gives us permission to cry out and so on and tell God what's going on and tell the folks around us what's going on. It's okay. It's okay to grieve. I just want to you to explore. Because in my testimony... I've lived a rather easy life. But in those seasons where I have sunk low, I just want to tell you, as far as I went, Christ was still there with me. And for that, I am profoundly grateful and sustained in the midst even of struggle. I know the touch of the joy of his presence. And you and I, full inheritors, let us guard the joy of the gospel. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we pray, would you keep us and guard us and Lord, with this hope, this living hope you've called us in, would it inform us and change us? And Lord, may we know even now in this moment the presence of your joy. And may we be sustained by the joy of the gospel, the joy of your love and your mercy for us, the joy of the new destiny we hold. And Lord, may this joy keep us and abide with us forever and ever we pray amen would you stand together this morning you respond as the lord might lay it upon your heart this church is open for some of you who feel led to join this place we'll be here to receive any decision you want to make public this morning you respond as the lord might lay it upon your heart